podcasting. <laughs> the American pastime. <laughs> podcasting, it's the American way. <laughs> um, hi everybody. Hi everybody. Uh, welcome to And the Nominees Were. Yay. <laughs> uh, oh, I was supposed to say, I am Jenny Halenka. Oh yes, I'm Mike Frollo. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but we are watching every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. Every movie ever nominated for Best Picture, which is now officially 554 movies. Okay. Uh, so before, I guess, we get into the episode, uh, Dunkirk. Yep. Today's episode is Dunkirk. Uh, the new nominees this year are Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. You just sighed so deeply. Was it just because you had tried to block out that Green Book was nominated? No, I was uh, sighing at Bohemian Rhapsody, oh, which, oh. Uh, well, okay, so we, uh, we've we seen half of these we movies. We have seen, yeah. I've not seen the other four, and I, I don't want to be negative about the movies before... We have seen them because True. it's, you know, we, we want to see all the movies. Yeah, we want to have, have an open mind. But from all I've heard about Bohemian Rhapsody, I, it doesn't sound like uh, something I would enjoy. Uh, that's fair. Now, we've not seen all of the new nominees. Right. Uh, we've seen about half of them. Yeah, as a general rule, we don't watch as many new movies yeah. as really... Um, the people who you know make Oscar pools and, and yeah, stuff like I, f- I feel like we uh, lately. I feel like this last year we've tried to we've go. Uh, we've yeah. tried to go at least like once a month to yeah. the movies or yeah. so. Uh, but that's really the most we can get. Maybe twice a month right. we can go see a new movies. It's just it's it costs too much money. It's true, really, uh, unfortunately. But we have seen uh, four of the nominees this year. Uh, we've seen at this point we've watched all of the nominees for last year, but we haven't recorded all the episodes yet so i don't want to get right. too uh specific about this but out like from the movies that we've seen how do you feel like this year stacks up against last year where we've seen all the nominees you know it, that yeah that's tough to say it but feels I will say, like a less impressive year i agree i i yeah i agree with that even the movies that we the movies that we've seen this year mm-hmm. Um, which it was, do, should we... Yeah, uh, uh, so far we've seen, uh, Black Panther, Roma, A Star is Born, and The Favorite. Right. And I liked all of those yeah, movies. Yeah, I liked all of them too. Uh, I didn't like any of them as much as I liked any of the movies I really liked from twenty. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the, the four movies we've seen, I don't think any of them are as good as, like, the four best movies from last year. Right. I, yeah, of the ones that we've seen. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. And um, I also am a ridiculous human in that uh, I would give that award to Black Panther. Like, I had the strongest reaction to that of any of these other movies. These other movies were good movies. The favorite was really good. The favorite was really good. I liked the favorite a lot, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel so strongly about it, basically. Um, The favorite and Roma... Both got the most amount of nominations this year with 10 okay. each, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like that could be a whole episode really talking about like Oscar records, maybe a little like bonus episode somewhere. Sure. Uh, I don't we'll know. keep that in mind for our Patreon. Yes, which doesn't exist yet. Yeah, we exist don't have yet. one yet. Yeah. Ooh, although we did forget to mention uh, that we have a Twitter uh, last yes. time. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, we re- uh, yeah, so we recorded an intro last time and I was thinking, like, in most podcasts, 
in the outro, they'll tell you to like rate and review and subscribe right. and follow them on all the different things. Uh, but I forgot that we didn't do that. Yeah, because we didn't have the, it yet when we had actually yeah. recorded the episode. So I guess right. before, and also uh, we're going to have another uh, outro on the Dunkirk episode, but like, yeah, we didn't have any of this stuff yet right. either. So before so you get into the in episode. in our intros. Yes, on the yeah. intro right now. So uh, we have a Twitter account. It's at nominees_pod. Uh, we also have a uh, a Gmail account where you can email us. That's also nominee'spod at, so, at yeah. gmail dot com. But yeah, so we have that. Uh, yeah. If you want to follow us, um, mm-hmm. do yeah. we have anything else to say about the Oscars? Um, I guess not. I because we haven't seen too many of the movies. No, that's true. Unfortunately. Oh, what I did want to ask yeah. is, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we don't watch a ton of new movies. No, I mean we try to, but we, right. we can't see everything. So. But we've watched, I feel like we've watched enough of them that I, I'm sure we each have things that we think were uh, robbed. So that's true. Uh, I didn't see. Well, the the one big thing is uh, first performed. First performed was was great. Yeah, um, I didn't see that unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I stand for annihilation. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I which, I think everyone just forgot it even came. Out I this which year. is fair. It, it, it came out in like we, March. Yeah, we and, saw it in March. And Paramount just tried to bury it, and uh, yep. so they since they had no financial reason to like uh, promote it in Oscar season, so it got nothing. Oh, Annihilation was great. Uh, that would that would be a good, uh, yeah, best picture. Yeah, I'm right there. I I want, you know, and it's very disappointing to me, I guess because, you know, uh, it's nice that uh, uh, if I had to choose one or the other, I'm glad that uh, Black Panther was nominated because mm-hmm. I think Black Panther is very important. But um, but I am sad that Annihilation didn't get the, you know, token genre nomination. Yeah. You know, I wanted to sneak in there like District 9, you know, <laughs> so. Oh, well. Uh, I, I guess speaking of uh, token genre things... Mission Impossible Fallout was it's like it sounds so dumb that a Mission Impossible movie could be like a Best Picture nominee, but like fuck it, Mad Max Fury Road was well, nominated for Best Picture. Um, Mad, uh, Mad Max Fury Road was better. I than was about Mission to say I liked Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, but I didn't even like it as much as Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol or Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Yes. So, um, so I can't I can't stand with you there. And then you said. Um, you you compared it to Mad Max Fury Road and just get that filth out of your mouth right now. Like, I I feel very strongly about this. Apparently, I mean Fury Road is perfect. That's true. Uh, but Mission Impossible, it, it was just it was it was so uh, well made. Yep. So yeah, I don't know. Very yeah, good. it was good. It was it was it was, it was an enjoyable time. That's like if if they're going for exactly ten and they already nominated all the great yeah. movies. <laughs> right. Just slide them. Uh, and Why are, not? I mean, well, we haven't seen the movies that were nominated for Best Picture that are supposed to be not as good as the other movies. That's so I can't I can't say that uh, like I can't I can't say Mission Impossible Fallout is better than Bohemian Rhapsody because I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. But by all accounts, it is. That's true. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, so Dunkirk. We yeah, watched Dunkirk, Dunkirk uh, a while ago. But, we, I mean, we'd seen it a couple times. We yeah. actually, we saw that one in theaters yeah. when it came out in IMAX. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, watched it again and talked about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, spoiler alert, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, double spoiler alert. I think we talked about it for uh, the length of the movie. 
Yeah, uh, I think the total time, um, I might still cut some out after uh, I put this together, but it was like it was like 96 minutes and the movie's like 104 minutes. <laughs> it's it's a pretty short movie, yeah. which that reminds me. For a Chris me, Nolan movie in particular. Yeah, for a Chris Nolan movie, for a modern Best Picture nominee. Right. Uh, for an action movie. Yeah, uh, that reminds me that uh, someone pointed out on Twitter that uh, the favorite is 119 minutes and it is the shortest best picture nominee this year cool yeah got a a lot of time (laughs) ahead of Uh, us i feel like um although you know it's not something that precludes us from watching movies that are good but this is this is a podcast where we are strongly in favor of shorter movies yeah, over um, longer ones. Yeah. We actually, we just rewatched uh lady bird tonight in preparation for uh, our episode on that. And that's a, that's a clean 90 minutes. Right. And, Isn't, oh, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. Gets in, does what yeah. it has to do. Feels great. I cry three times and oh, then yeah. we're done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just like sex. Uh. <laughs> hey, <laughs> on that note. Yeah. Uh, so, Okay, I, I um, at this point, I have no idea what I will have said in the rest of this intro because I have no idea what I'm going to cut out and leave <laughs> in. But uh, on that note, whatever it was, uh, <laughs> here is our episode on Dunkirk. Enjoy. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler, if you think we're on the run? are the boys who will stop your little game We are the boys who will make you think again Cause who do you think you are kidding Mr. Hitler If you think old England's done Well, you know what's funny? Before we started this podcast, I remember when we were just talking about the concept, I was like, I liked Dunkirk, but do I have that much to say about Dunkirk? <laughs> like, specifically, I called it out. Well, I did want to ask, I guess I don't want to uh, get too into this, because uh, uh-huh. I feel like this is a whole, it could be a whole podcast of itself, but I thought for uh, the listener, what what is your relationship to Christopher Nolan? How do you, Are you... A Christopher Nolan fan? Would you call yourself a fan? Yes. Okay. Um, I, uh, I would. I don't know. I. You know what's funny? I really thought that you were going to ask me if I was a Chris Nolan stan specifically. <laughs> I don't and, know the lingo. And I, no, and I was like, would I go that far? Would I? <laughs> but uh, no, I don't think I would. I am a fan though. I. I like. I like all the dumb shit that people hate on him for now. You know, things that he does with time and with sound and with people who don't act like people. You know, like, I, I'm into all of that. Yeah. It's it's for me. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was thinking, I, I quite like uh, most of his movies. Uh, I, I feel like he has one or two movies that I love and then a lot of movies that I really like. A couple that are like, eh, and then one movie which just flat out sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, which one is that? Because I haven't seen all of them. Uh, it's yeah. Dark Knight Rises. The oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I don't know why I didn't even think yeah. that. I just kind of try to forget it. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, I'm i not sure I would ever call myself a fan of his, even though I That's like a lot of his work. I feel like it's... I don't know. He definitely has a style, and his movies, they all definitely feel like they're Christopher Nolan movies. But I'm not sure 
I go see them because I'm like, oh, the new Christopher Nolan movie. That's, I see them because they seem interesting. That's fair. I go see them because they're the new Christopher yeah. Nolan movie. I mean, like, maybe I would I do, have but... not gone to see this movie. Yeah. Um, if if he had not made it, mm-hmm. I yeah, did. What? Why did you want to see it? Because I remember that I was the other. Was Nolan okay, movie. well there you go. But uh, but I I. I guess I would. I don't feel strongly enough about enough of his movies to call myself a fan. That's fair. You know, I go see them because they're they're more interesting than most movies, but they're still not like my favorite movies. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love uh, the Prestige, mm-hmm. and uh, and I um, I loved Inception. Yeah. And and I like Interstellar and Memento a lot. Hmm. Um. Yeah, and I, then there's and then there's two I haven't seen, and then there's the rest. <laughs> yeah, like I loved the Dark Knight uh, when it came out, and I'd seen before that I'd seen Memento and ba- and Batman Begins, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I, yeah, I like at that point I wasn't a Christopher Nolan fan, and like afterwards I'm like this movie is amazing, but I wasn't like fucking love Christopher Nolan now. Right. Uh, whereas, like, I feel like he's he's developed like a, like a cult of personality around him. Yeah. Uh, where people just obsess over his movies, the way that he makes them, and just like he makes good movies right. most of the time. Yeah, I do think that probably. I don't disagree, even though I do consider disagree. Myself, even though, well, I don't disagree, no. even though I do disagree. <laughs> no, I don't disagree with you. Um, uh, what I was going to say is, even though I consider myself a fan, I don't disagree with people who think he's overrated. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I like a lot of his movies. I'll keep going to see his movies until they start really blowing chunks. Right. Uh, but every time someone complains about Christopher Nolan, I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't... Yeah, because all the complaints that, you know, I just said are, um, what are the, what is that thing? Um, I think it was Amy Nicholson said, uh, Mm -hmm. that, um, that Chris Nolan is a a dumb person's idea of a smart filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I found incredibly insulting, but not inaccurate. Yeah. (laughs) So, um. Well, well, I, I was thinking earlier today that, uh, one of the things I think about Christopher Nolan uh, as I guess like a, a personality or an auteur or something is that uh, I, f- I feel like Christopher Nolan is a guy who's like there, there's a lot of criticisms lobbied around like most of his work and I feel like he's unique among filmmakers in that the even like fans of his acknowledge those weaknesses I'm not sure that they all do not, I'm yeah I'm not sure they all do with all the weaknesses but what I was thinking of is like like Spielberg, like people who don't like Spielberg movies, they're like, oh, he's too sentimental, mm-hmm. and that I don't like the way they say But people who love Spielberg movies are like, yeah, I love how sentimental they are, right. how emotional they are. Right. Uh, but like people who say Christopher Nolan movies have like way too much exposition in them, there's no Christopher Nolan fans who go, oh, I love how much the characters just tell you exactly how they're feeling all the time. That's true. And every, tell you everything you need to know about the movie. Yep. Uh, they they sort of go yeah he does that yeah, but right. but you need to do but it you need for the, it for the things yeah. later on right yeah. and like I get that I don't love Inception but I I understand its appeal I suppose yeah uh, 
But I, I think that's interesting about Christopher. I feel like you, you could say that about a lot of his uh, other criticism the things yeah. that he does all the time like the amount of exposition and to be fair i haven't seen inception that many times as much mm-hmm. as i love it um i've only maybe seen it two or three times but um the amount of exposition in it never bothered me because i was i would always be sitting there like yeah tell me more about this dream bullshit <laughs> how does this work what is and then there was stuff that they didn't explain and i wanted to know i'm like what is this science why is it science and they they they're like the military. Don't don't worry about it. Like, and I was like, okay, sure, but why though? Mm-hmm. Who is running this opium den made of dream things? <laughs> what are they getting out of it? I don't know. Seems very expensive. <laughs> so, yeah, tell me more. Uh, that gets to one of the reasons why I really love Dunkirk, and why I think it might be. His most successful movie as a director, possibly. Okay. Is that I, I feel like it, it feels like he took a lot of criticisms against his work as a whole to heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, but he didn't really rectify them so much as just try to uh, eliminate the problem <laughs> as much. Yeah, just avoid them altogether. Yeah. Uh, but I, but like, that's kind of brilliant. That's true. Like, people always talk about it, how you know, uh, dialogue heavy and uh, like exposition heavy as v- movies are. So he, he made essentially a silent film where right. nobody explains anything that's happening. That's true. And you just get all your information visually. I Except feel like for Kenneth Branagh. That's He's true. He's the only person in the movie who explains anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, a, a common thing is, uh, the sort of dead wife trope in his right. movies. Yep. And, uh, their, their portrayal of women in general and I kind of felt like Christopher Nolan was like, yeah, you know, you're right. Maybe I don't know how to write women. I'm going to make a movie with no women <laughs> with in no it. no women at which all. Which is uh, maybe a problematic solution to that problem. But at least he acknowledging uh, a failure. I maybe mean, he's not. I don't know. It's. I see the point, but I also don't know where you would have put a woman well exactly like, except uh, like it's, it's not like he's like you know what i'm gonna take all the women out of this story right it's more that like he's sort of like saying well this is a story that interests me it's all about men i guess that i guess that's what i'm doing i guess because i'm making a movie about men you know yeah. the only place i think they could have done it would be for uh mark rylance to be a lady but um yeah i don't think that's yeah i don't know enough about you know, England at the time to know if a lady would have just had her own boat and would have just gone out to sea. Uh, probably not, but also... But there are women that you can see on some of the other small crafts, like yeah. with other people. Mm-hmm. So. But what's interesting about that that I learned later on is that, um, well, you, you can kind of see it. You can kind of see the, the Navy coming uh, onto the dock in that scene. And uh, the idea was to requisition the boats where like they would be right. piloted by, by the, the Navy. Navy. Uh, and this guy just went on his own and I I, I um, read up Mark Rylance's character is not a real person but he is based uh, specifically on one person okay who was actually I think he was like second officer on the Titanic oh wow yeah and okay. um, and he like I guess served in the Navy in like World War One or something like that and uh, when it came time to launch he he went himself because he thought he could he could do it and he wanted to do his part you know okay uh, so yeah, it's it's 
it was abnormal. Although I think in the movie you could see like all the the small ships yeah. are piloted by just a bunch of people. So I, is that not accurate? I don't know. Okay. I didn't actually look that far into it. Okay. It's possible that uh, you know a lot of other people also decided to pilot their own ships. Um, but this guy seemed the most interesting guy who did that. Fair yeah. enough. And none of that backstory specifically is in the movie, I no. don't think. Do they there's, even... there's no backstory for no. any character well, at all. There is a little bit because he talks about um, his son being a, a pilot. It's true. Um, but I don't remember if he... No, I think he does... I don't know. I think that it does come up something to the effect of he has experience in war. I don't remember if they say if it's Army or Navy or mm-hmm. Air Force or what. But when they are... Not to jump like directly to literally the middle <laughs> of the movie, but um, when when they're all on the boat and there's the, the bombers coming and they're trying to... You know, they're holding off to like when to turn... Mm-hmm. So that they'll be able to to miss it, and um, and uh, they say something to him about how he's able to know, like to judge mm-hmm. that from the sounds, or I guess what I don't know what, yeah. like everything, everything is all just feelings at that point. It's all <laughs> like ah, ah, are they gonna make it? No, save the nice man. So yeah, <laughs> I don't. Know, so the specifics are lost on me by that point. So yeah, so let's start at the beginning, I guess. Yeah. So uh, the movie. Opens you get your your logos and then it just says Dunkirk, uh, no, no a Christopher Nolan film. Right, you know it's a Christopher Nolan film. He doesn't even have to put that on there. He just says Dunkirk and then you are just dropped with with the. I just want to comment real quick that you had told me after we watched it last time that he had to get special permission to do that, right? Or were we talking no. about something else? Yeah, it, like in general, I don't know how it. I guess it's still that way now. Uh, even though that's a lot more common to have no credits at the beginning of a movie, um, but in general you have to get uh, you have to get everybody that would normally get credited at the beginning of a movie to sign off on being credited at the end instead. Okay. Uh, and I remember I I learned this uh, from uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's commentary on Hard Eight. Okay. Which uh, over, while the, the credits are playing at the beginning. Uh, he was doing this commentary after he'd already done Boogie Nights, and he's like, "You might have known Boogie Nights. I don't like to have uh, titles at the beginning of my movies. I just says it just. I like to have just have the title and just go into the movie. Uh, but this specific producer did. Uh, I, I, I I had to get a permission from everybody, and everybody said yes except this specific producer who he called out by name. Uh, <laughs> who said no? Uh, so now we have uh, credits, and yeah. Okay. So yeah. So. Starts Dunkirk, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, it starts with these uh, British soldiers wandering through uh, the town while these like leaflets are uh, are being like dropped on them. Yep. You, <laughs> yeah, that, no. you look like you didn't remember this at no, all. I was I just do. about to say that this was a like an incredibly striking. Well, that's not shot. that's not why I looked so puzzled. <laughs> I was going to say something else about the very beginning, which is that. Uh, the movie opens with uh, this group of like five soldiers or whatever mm-hmm. it is uh, getting up out of a crouch. Yeah, they're like, which is just interesting. Like they like something has just happened that they mm-hmm. decided was not that important. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, you get the idea from the fact that they are cowering and now they're just continuing on. Yeah, well, well I, what I, I love about this movie is it just, it deposits you uh, in the action. You feel like you're a part of what's happening uh, pretty much immediately mm-hmm. from the very first shot the fact that it starts after like after something has just happened right and also like they're wandering through this empty street yeah and you're and you're kind of just like how how are they there this is not a complete group of soldiers that's true uh, yeah what's happening and you don't know and it doesn't matter because immediately they all get shot yeah basically that's true well, um, after, uh, except for the one guy, Tommy. Tommy is his name, I, I think. I have no idea what anybody's yeah, talking about. Yeah. Um, the one guy, he's yeah. the, the main character. If his name is not Tommy, I'm going to call him that for the rest of the podcast anyway. Because <laughs> it's easier than, you know, the one guy. Sure. Um, but he's already tried to take his poo. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden people are shooting at them. And he's like, no, can't poo. Yeah. Gotta run. I will say that uh, this, this part also features... Basically, the only exposition you get, except maybe for uh, Kenneth Branagh, oh, that's true. where it, 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 it pops up with there like titles words on the screen, right. uh, telling you like the situation. And watching it the last time that I did, I was sort of feeling that like uh, it's the only exposition in the movie, and it's kind of the only part of the movie that I think didn't need to be there. Like I actually, they give you literally like. 40 words of exposition and I'm like that's too many I don't think you needed any exposition at all you could have just dropped people right into the middle of this war and just seen I don't I thought it was helpful because you know before I saw this film and Darkest Hour I didn't know anything about uh, Dunkirk okay so um, which I don't remember if this came up in the Darkest Hour episode it probably did Um, but yeah so so I didn't know that that the whole point of the entire exercise was otherwise the entire British army was going to get murdered. Well, not exactly. Okay. That's the way they make it sound. Yes. In both movies. And I think I was reading afterwards, it was something, it was, I mean, it was not a negligible uh, uh, amount of the army. It was something like one-tenth, which is only, you know, that's 10%, but that's still, that's a very significant number. It was like, you know, 400,000 people was one-tenth of their army, okay. which means that, like, their army wasn't that big, so they needed right. everybody they could have. Uh, and if they if they lost that many people all at once, it uh, would be devastating. I see. I, uh, well, it doesn't come up in, in this film, except for, the, you know, the very beginning with the, with the text. But uh, I didn't get that from Darkest Hour, where they made it sound like uh, the whole army was there and they yeah. might save 30%. Yeah, uh, well, as we've established, uh, Darkest Hour made everything up. <laughs> I guess that's fair. <laughs> anyway, but that's beside the point. So uh, where were we in the story? So, oh, so they're all trying to get to the beach and everybody gets shot. Yeah, and, then, uh, yeah, and, and uh, there's one guy left, basically, because he was able to get uh, over a fence. Yep, into, in time. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's almost shot by the French. Right, exactly. Yep. And he has to... You know what, like, it sucks... This is the thing I took away from this movie, is it sucks Mm. to be the French. You know? Like, because this whole movie is about the English and how they're going to get all the English out. And uh, the French just have to stay there. The French are manning the barricade. 
And, yeah, well, and not allowed on these English boats. <laughs> it is interesting because like this is uh, like a foundational battle story for the British because this is this was the turning point of the war. It was a complete military failure, but it was basically the thing that uh, let them uh, w- eventually win the war. Uh, mm-hmm. But for the French, it was just another loss, and then their entire country got captured. Right. Uh, so, yeah. so this this uh, this battle is not interesting. It's not to important them. to them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, it might be. I don't know. I'm not French. Speaking of which, one of my notes uh, just says all these generic ass white boys. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the whole note. It's true. Everybody has just sort of this the same plain English face. Yeah. It gets very confusing later on when they're, you know, they're all in one place. It's all mm-hmm. a bunch of brunette white boys uh, and they're drowning and one of them drowns and you go, which one was that? I don't know. Yeah, right. But I mean, I mean of the soldiers, there's like what? Uh three people that have more than four lines each yeah, or something true. like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you never get a sense of who these people are. No, that's true. But it's sort of n- not the point. So yeah, I understand exactly. Uh, I, I have read, like, a lot of people who had trouble with this movie complaining about the fact there was, like, no story, there were no characters to follow, but it's, it's like, the point. It's, yeah, it's, the point is it's an event, it's not a story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, it's like he's trying to get you to experience this alongside the people who lived it. And you're right. kind of in the entire time you're in this situation where like you... It's it's weird because like, uh, well, I guess to compare it to uh, Darkest Hour, mm-hmm. a movie where you know what happens uh, and so it's kind of hard for you to care about the events from minute to minute. In Dunkirk, uh, even if you don't know the specifics of the Battle of Dunkirk, you kind of have a sense of how this movie is going to play out. And yet, but yet, from minute to minute, you have the same feeling as like the characters who are who it's happening to, right. where like you don't know what's going to happen immediately. Yeah, that's next. true. Uh, yeah, because it's just a. Just things getting worse, the movie, basically. It's like, and um, that's, I think, what makes the time structure interesting. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing that we didn't bring up at all. Yeah. Is the three three temporalities. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's the the mole one week. Yeah. uh, Which um, I didn't know until... A good twenty minutes into the movie, that the mole was the beach, uh, so I thought there well, would the, be the mole is the pier. Oh, is the pier? Okay. Yeah, well, uh, and yeah, I did not know that uh, the entire time we watched Dunkirk the first yeah, time. Yeah, I knew that. That's I had true. No idea I, what that meant yeah, uh, because it was the second time, like, there is a, a line with Ken, when Kenneth Branagh is like, "We have to keep the mole clear" or something like that, and I just did not hear that at all <laughs> in the theater. I no, I do think that I did hear that the first time, but it's not until he says that, which is. Which is a good 20 minutes in, maybe. Mm-hmm. Actually, it might be less than that. That's the thing with this movie, too, is it's actually short. Yeah. In my memory, it's a lot longer than it is. But mm-hmm. um, but I thought that, too, when we were watching it the second time, I was like, everything happens much quicker yeah. than, than it does in my memory. In my memory, there's a lot of room for everything to breathe, mm-hmm. and that's not true well, it's, in, in the uh, film at all. 
It's kind of interesting because uh, I guess to compare to another Christopher Nolan movie, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, Mm -hmm. that movie is extremely long. True. But every individual moment in it feels too short. It feels like you (laughs) didn't get the full effect of what was happening because there's so much shit that they had to put in the movie that they just didn't have room to let anybody just sort of like... Uh, just have a shot of somebody like looking at something and like reacting. Right. So it's everything is happening so much. Whereas in Dunkirk, it's incredibly short. There's not a whole lot of specific things that happen in the movie, so the individual moments can breathe a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. And, I agree with that. Yeah. So it never feels like you're you don't have enough time with the character, even if like for you know if you know, even if you only spend like maybe a minute total on this one timeline before going to another thing you've gotten the full effect of what you needed to see. Of what you needed in that moment. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. Um, But yeah, so the the way that it works, though, with being able to, you know, do this compression of time Mm -hmm. uh, is that they can do these cuts between things that feel like they would go together, but that aren't happening at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's emotional cutting rather than temporal cutting. Right. Which... I like everyone was making a big deal out of this, like it was confusing or something. I didn't really get it because I just sort of got it intuitively. Like you're cutting to because uh, it's you're, you're matching tension, yeah. not matching time, which is kind of a, a like a. Well, I would I was gonna say it's like a founding tenet of editing, but it's not true. I've read this book by Walter Murch, who is a great editor. Uh, he worked with. Coppola and Lucas and a bunch okay. of these famous people. He's done. He's won a ton of Oscars. He maybe did sound design on Star Wars okay. and not film editing. He does both. But anyway, he uh, in this book, which I actually, it's like 120 pages, and I never finished reading it. But I, <laughs> uh, but I read most of it. I just sort of forgot about it. Uh, he he line he outlines like basically the five reasons uh, to cut. Uh, ranked in order of importance. And there's like continuity cutting, like when a character turns their head and you cut to another shot of them finishing turning their head. Okay. And then there's like a cut to, you know, what happens literally next in a scene. Um, you cut to like match continuity, like if you, uh, like if uh, a character, if there's like a glass on the table, then you cut to another shot where there's a glass missing. That's something that people might notice, mm. something like that. Um, and then there's like cutting for emotion, where it's where it just feels right that you should cut here to the next thing that you want to cut to. And he, I'm forgetting all five of the things, but he basically says that like editing for feeling and emotion is the most important thing. Okay. It does like uh, it would be great. Ob- like the best cut. Uh, all of these things would match. Like, uh, but if you need to cut to something else, and in that shot the the glass is missing or something's wrong in that shot, it's not important as long as that's the shot that you need to, uh, you know. And so this uh, this whole movie just basically just feels like that uh, writ large. You know, you, you just. Uh, it's it's all just cutting for emotion, but between all the different things, obviously, like in each scene, it just plays out like a, a normal movie uh, would. Right. And, um, but you're just cutting in between things because it feels like yeah, that's that's when you should see that next part, even though it happens you know three days later. Right. Um, but also another thing that I thought is that 
I didn't think this was that weird because this is something that, like, television has been doing for at least the last decade or decade and a half or longer than that. And just people take it for granted on television, uh, like cutting between A, B, and C stories when those things what? don't happen. in or Like, I, I noticed this while I was watching... Uh, the deuce the other okay. day i was catching up on that and in this episode you know there and i'm sure there's like the the maggie gyllenhaal stuff and the james franco stuff and you uh, and all the other people and like james franco's storyline you know or you know the two james franco's <laughs> storyline in that it you could tell that it took place over like most of his st- stuff took place over one day and then there was like another scene like a couple days later and stuff uh and all of maggie gyllenhaal's story that week clearly took place over like three or four days while they kept like cutting back to franco's thing where it was clearly like just uh it was just later on in his stuff right but it was days later so um i but you say that like tv has been doing it for such a long i think that's unusual for i don't think it is i think uh even something like uh like Seinfeld, where every character has their own individual story, and you basically get the uh, the different. Uh, it's it's basically the uh, their story arcs are playing out simultaneously, even though they're all doing these things at different times. It's just they don't mention it, so you don't think about it. I don't know that I agree with that because I feel like you know everything just. You're supposed to assume everything takes place in a couple of days in an episode of Seinfeld. Well, yes, it's um, it's more extreme here because they're saying like this thing is happening over a week, and this right. is just happening on the very last day of that week. So that's that's abnormal. But the mm-hmm. fact that they're cutting between these different things. No, I agree. Okay, is, I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that does not seem that weird to me. Right, that this thing is not necessarily happening at the same time as this other thing. Mm-hmm. That's fair, but. But I always felt like in television, in a case like that, that they're still showing the forward progression of the same amount of time, even if those things don't happen in that exact order. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that weird? No. Uh, this is apparently just a, a subconscious belief I had about how how plots work yeah, on television. Yeah, you because you just don't think about it at all right. when it's happening. Uh, especially like on a on shows like this where like multiple characters will have their own storylines that don't intersect at all, you don't think about it because you're like, oh, this is this person's part of the, right. the show. This, okay. this is this uh, other person. Uh, this other person's part of the show. And then there's like one scene where they're all in Jerry's apartment and yeah. they catch each other up on what's going on. Yeah. And they go off and they do their thing mm-hmm. again. Yeah, like I like clearly like every episode of Seinfeld pretty much takes place uh, at the very least. Uh, over the same week. Right. So it's not like you're getting Jerry's like month-long quest <laughs> thing. But like, yeah, like an episode of Seinfeld, you might see Jerry go on like uh, four dates with one girl while like George is just having the same problem with at his work. Bo- at yeah. boss. And like, how many times is he going out with a girl in, in one week? That's uh, true. Yeah. He would never be that serious about a girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, wait... I, one of the things, actually, I did have a note about that, which was that I didn't find the timelines confusing at all when we saw Dunkirk the first time. I found them more confusing the second time. <laughs> and I think it was because I had seen the things in the movie happen already. And so when I would see them again, I would be like, oh, is this now? Mm-hmm. Are we in now now? 
what happened to that? Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I know what you mean because, like, yeah, I think there's one point in like the middle of the movie where you see like uh, where like um, in Tom Hardy's timeline timeline you see him look out the window uh, and you see like a, a boat start to tip over, right? And then yeah. like 20 minutes later, you finally get to. Uh, the like uh you know all the, yeah, the all boat. the all the beach boys uh <laughs> tumbling out of the boat right is that then the boat no that because that's not until the end of the movie i was gonna say is that the boat that all that leaks all the oil that catches fire yeah i, th- I think so it must be right yeah yeah that's uh, the thing I, I think it's the tom hardy stuff specifically because it's such a short amount of time yeah i i was actually um thinking about that uh, on my rewatch, I rewatched it uh, another time after we watched it together. Uh, I can't believe I've seen Dunkirk three times now. It's really good. I just don't watch. I don't rewatch movies that often anymore. Right. So the fact that I've seen any movie three times uh, <laughs> that came out in last year is, is kind of ridiculous. But um, but I kept thinking that Tom Hardy's stuff while you're watching it doesn't feel as important as the other storylines right. that you're seeing. I, I think that's fair, but I disagree because I think it ties into like very right at the very beginning of the movie before they even go to the next thing mm-hmm. when, you know, they're all on the beach and they're waiting to on the lines to get on all the different boats. And they get dive bombed, mm-hmm. and that one guy gets up and he yells, Where's the bloody air force? Yeah. And like this one guy, he has two lines, and they're both mm-hmm. shitting on the pilot. It's amazing. <laughs> That's continuity yeah. for you. But um, yeah, yeah, because then he because he, it's true because he's the same. It's the same guy who then back at the end, uh, when they're all when they're all getting off the boats at the end, uh, he uh, sees um, uh, Tom Hardy's flight yeah. mate. I don't know what they're called. I, I, um, I think in the credits his name was Collins. Okay. He's, he's, the, he's the real Scottish guy yeah. with the uh, beautiful I, face. I refer to him as Ginger Prince yeah. um, on here. But yeah, he's he's very attractive. Yeah. Um, and yes, and he's just, he's a drowned rat. He, you know, he almost died yeah. in the water. Yeah, and, and the guy's and like, where were you, mate? Yeah, wh- and like, I was like, Fucking, he's he's on the same boat as you, <laughs> you idiot. He was clearly where you were. Oh. Dumb. What a dumb boy. But then, but then Mark, Mark Rylance taps him on the shoulder. That's true. Goes, they know where you were. That's true, and it's nice. Yeah, Mark Rylance is, is the night. Mark, Mark good, uh, continuous streak man. of being just the nicest man in every movie. I feel what's it's interesting to me because I feel like my impression of him strongly before he became like weirdly famous mm-hmm. was as a weird guy doing weird things. Yeah, like I remember hearing about him. I'd never seen him on Broadway or anything, uh, but he he's been doing stage stuff for decades. Yeah. And I, but I remember like just before Spielberg started to cast him in everything, he was like in some play. On Broadway, where like everyone was like, "Oh, fucking, oh my God, Mark Rylance." I Rylan's. think this was probably Jerusalem. Maybe. How does he play like that some like the uh, right time, though. hillbilly, basically, or something like that? Okay. He was playing a very weird part. Well, that's the thing is that was my impression of uh, Mark Rylance, just yeah. in general. And um, even before uh, this this recent run of movies, he'd been in a bunch of movies. He was. I do think this might be it. I think we're thinking okay. of the same thing. Anyway. Uh, but I remember, like, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, I found out later he was in this movie around, like, 99 or 2000 that I heard of called, I think it's called Romance. And yeah. And it was a big a right. thing at the time the, because yeah. they, they have sex on yep. camera. 
Uh, and like I when I found out it was Mark Rylance, I was. Or if it's a blowjob. I I think it's it's, it's everything. On, yeah. Full on. Yeah. Okay. Oops, I accidentally hit show trailer, but here's a picture, and I think that we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is apparently a dude who lives in the woods and gives kids drugs. I don't know. Yeah. This is this was the very capsule uh, description, but I do think we're talking about the same thing. Mm. Uh, Catherine saw that play and said that he was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's great in all of these movies where he's just uh, the, the nice, sweet old man. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I'm sure he could do uh, a lot of other interesting things that he's not being allowed to do in movies. Yeah. But he's really good at doing this stuff in movies, too. That's fair. Yep. So, yeah. So, well, we talked about... Uh, now, unintentionally, we've talked a little bit about the boy, the Beach Boys <laughs> and a little bit about Tom Hardy and the Ginger Prince. Yeah. Um, I but think he's a blonde, but it's I, fine. I, I think he has strawberry blonde hair. Maybe. I think he does. Um, well, I think we could both agree he has piercing blue eyes. He does. That's true. We can agree on that. Yes. Uh, even more so than Tom Hardy. Oh. So pretty. Make yep. this man famous. <laughs> this man whose name I don't remember. Yeah, with the um, heavy Scottish accent. I don't know if yeah. he's actually Scottish or if he's just playing a Scottish guy. It would be kind of weird to be in this movie and not have a character and affect an accent. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It would be weird to make that choice for for somebody who has no backstory. Yeah. Like, I guess you could do that if you wanted to, like, you know, right. keep your head in the game. I do, th- I do think Tom Hardy is doing some sort of an accent. He is doing, can, yeah. Well, it's Tom Hardy, though. Talking like this, you know, it's very clipped, right? I, well, yeah, I think that that might just be Tom Hardy's idea of how a, a 1940s pilot would talk. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> and... I'm just imagining uh, now, I don't think it's true, but I'm just imagining Tom Hardy in every role just sort of being like... What would this guy sound like? And then just doing it and just decide that's how how it is. Yeah, I I hundred percent believe. <laughs> like when that. I like I was in a play uh, in uh, in high school, and uh, my character he was an old man who like uh, in his like monologue he references some things about like Chicago or something. And and so but, you decided he needed a Chicago accent. No, I oh, okay. but like I read the part. I, like I felt like he just he reminded me a lot of. Uh, like my friend's grandfather, and so I was just doing his voice, which was just like a New York Italian guy voice. Uh, it didn't fit at all with like the the time period or anything, but I was just like, "This is who this guy feels like," so I'm just gonna go for it. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just imagining Tom Hardy doing the same thing. What would what would Bane sound like? I think it would sound like this. I am Bane, <laughs> and it just does it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he does. I don't Maybe know. Maybe he does. Uh, Tom Hardy. He's so good. I love Tom Hardy. He's, he's great. He's so good in this, too. Yeah. He, like, all he does, he just, he's, he talks like that with, well, I can't even do it, but mm-hmm. he, he talks in that clip voice, and mm-hmm. he, he watches his fuel, and then he's like, well, I guess I'm not going home. I gotta shoot these Germans, and, and it's yeah, so I'm, I was trying to think of, like, any one line that he says to do an impression of it, and I... And I can, the only line I can remember, it's not even a very important line, but it's like, yeah, he's like, he checks his fuel gauge first, and he gets like a reading from the other guy, and the guy's like, are you, you going to turn back? back? And he's and like, like, no, no, fairly confident, it's just a gauge. Yeah. And, yep. But it's just, it, it's just so like, uh, he's, he's, he's calm about it. But it, but you you almost get like a hint of worry, you know, like a little bit. Yeah. But he's like, no, 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 no. Pip pip. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
But yeah, but he's so good. He is good. Like he doesn't have a lot to do, but you but you get like his just his expression from his eyes. Yep. The way he's he's like he's constantly furrowed in this movie. That's his, true. his brow is just entirely uh, furrowed the entire movie. I mean, he does have to squint into the sun a lot. Too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they? I did they put an IMAX camera on the side of a plane? They put it. They put IMAX cameras everywhere. This is uh, one of the interesting things about this movie is that it's shot almost completely with IMAX cameras, uh, which is amazing when you see it in theater. And then it's kind of weird when you when, watch like, it, like, uh, like yeah, yeah, when it like goes back to the yeah. crap thing, like. Because I notice it, I would notice it when the bars would appear. It would be like when Kenneth Branagh was talking mm-hmm. on the pier, uh, which seemed like a perfectly good time to use IMAX. Mm-hmm. You can get some of that pier action. They did. They did um, definitely use it in some. They did in some Branagh yeah, talking but, scenes, right? But uh, and then in scenes where they're talking to each other on the boat. Yeah. When Mark Rylands and his son, and uh, poor Georgie, yeah. little Georgie, yeah. well, and well, yeah. and little rat face. Uh, uh, <laughs> Murphy. Um, I know that it is probably Killian, but my brain always it's, wants to make it a... Killian, yeah. yeah. My brain always wants to make it a soft C, and I'm like, nope, that's... Cillian. That's not a name. And so I always stumble over it the first time I say it. I mean, it's it not, like, you know, there's there's people out there who are named uh, Jillian, and then people who are named Gillian. Right? And that's like, just confusing. Yeah, this is very confusing. Yep. So you never But anyway, know. yeah. Oh, yeah, so Killian Murphy, speaking of whom... He's another one that I got all uh, tripped up on the timeline at the one point because you know there's the point where, uh, where the Beach Boys they get on this. Uh, it's, I, stuck. it's it's stuck it's like, now. Yep. It's it's happening. Uh, they're on the big, uh, the big submarine. Well, cause, yeah, because we've never we haven't been going through this at all. But yeah. the whole thing with their timeline is. Tommy and the French boy, who you don't know is French all mm-hmm. the time. They call him Gibson, I think, because yeah. that's that's the dog tags which he stole mm-hmm. from from the dead kid. Uh, you know, it turned out, turns out, spoilers for the end of the movie. He's just a French kid who stole the clothes off a dead English kid because otherwise he was going to be stuck here in Dunkirk getting shot at. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called initiative. It is. You know what? Good for him. Mm. And it like, and he does good things for everybody throughout the whole movie. Yeah. So you know, they're like, "Oi, you." Frog stealing our spot, but like he he saved those kids' lives a couple of times, you know, like mm-hmm. so he didn't let Harry Styles drown. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry, they got they got Harry that Styles uh, let him drown. They though. got that one guy on the stretcher. They got the last stretcher on the boat. That's true. Uh, although they you you know they did it just so that just they so could, that get, they could, could also stay get on, on the boat. boat, right? Which they don't but get to do. And then and know. then I think the boat tips over or something. Right. Yeah, no. Then the boat gets bombed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the boat. What that. Kenneth Branagh yells that about, yeah. uh, don't let it sink near the mole, or yeah. whatever. And so they have to push the boat away while it's sinking. Mm-hmm. And all the kids on the boat start swimming for the pier where the two of them are hiding. Yeah. And they pull them up onto the pier. Mm-hmm. And and that's when he saves Harry Styles' life the first time. I don't remember if he does it mm-hmm. again. He might. Well, he does by opening the door. Because then they all get on that next boat, mm-hmm. uh, the whole group of them. Uh, and then that boat gets torpedoed yeah. in the and then, dead like, ass middle of the night. Yeah, and then just yeah, everybody is inside yep. uh, with the door closed. Yep. Eaten uh Eatin toast jam. and jam, bread and jam. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit my favorite thing in the whole movie. I, I love it because it's it's uh, it's so it's so evocative right off the bat. It's so you, they they're just getting this little bit of home. You could t- you can tell that it just represents something to them. Like you, like you see like the Oh, there are women in this movie. There are yeah, women who's serving well, the, the right. sandwiches. Yep, and giving them blankets. Uh, but yep. the, but you, you can, know what? Those women all died. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And you know what? R. I bet the uh, real heroes. You know what? I bet some of them were married, and I bet some of those people uh, now have dead wives that they will oh, think no! about no, forever. <laughs> That's the sequel to Dunkirk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. But so, yeah, but like the, those women, they they just seem so not quite cheerful, but they're just so like they're just like yeah. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Thank you, boys. You know they're just so so like uh, gung ho right. about it. Yeah. And and it's, yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing. One of the things that I really love about this movie is it it like it gets you emotional about just like the concept of like home. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah, because like at the end of the movie, there's a big stirring thing where all the boats start arriving. Yeah, the small crafts, and everybody's so excited, and just the music is playing. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. I just get all teary. Yeah. I'm not English. Yeah, no, like no, either. I'm not even a little. Well, I'm a very you, small amount of yeah. English. Uh, but, I'm probably not at all. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you're just. Like, you're. I, th- I would say even if you are not blood English, you're more English than I am. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I I would totally respect <laughs> it if you just started to cry about. About yeah. Britannia, right? Because you're there. just like you're like they they did it. They, yeah, they did yeah. it. They you did know. it. And then, and there's a great parallel. Well, like uh, yeah, at the uh, towards the beginning of the movie, Branna is there on the on the pier at the end, and he says, uh, "You can almost see it from here." Yeah. What? Home. Yeah. So like that, and but then uh, he uh, like at the very end, he says like basically the same exact he thing. Does. He does. He like calls the, the boats line. home. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then he so doesn't great. get on the boat. Yeah. Because he's gonna stay to help get the French out. Yeah. What a good guy. Yeah, what a good guy. Everybody's so good in this movie. They're all so good. Yeah. Even the poor little French boy. Mm-hmm. And, and at the at the end of the movie, when they're all on the the train, and like Harry Styles is like, "Oh, we're a bunch of fucking cowards. They're, yep. they're gonna hate us back here. Yep. They're gonna and spit like, on us in the street." Yeah, and just like everybody is just cheering and giving yep. them beer. Yep. And just ah, oh, yeah. And even the best because I didn't catch this the first time. I ca- but I caught it the second time uh, when they get off the train and there's that blind man who's mm-hmm. giving them coats and stuff. Yeah. And um. Like uh, Harry that's Styles. when they're getting on the train. No, oh yeah, right when they're getting on. And the train. I, I, I that's right, when they're getting off. And the I think boat that's part of why, like Harry Styles, is like, oh uh, yeah, he, he's right. like, he, he couldn't, couldn't even, even look at us. He him. couldn't even look at us. Yeah. And meanwhile, like I feel like, and I don't know if I thought of this when we were watching it or afterwards. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's like a sort of implication that that guy, that blind man, is a vet. Well, th- that's the thing. Uh, they never say that, yeah, but you don't... kind of, but you just intuit that from right. like the way that he is. Yeah. 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 I got the strong impression that that man was in one of the other wars, if not World War One, some mm-hmm. other war, and he, and maybe that's how he lost his sight. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, you don't say any. Yeah. They don't say anything yeah, about it. Yeah, this is in the movie. Yeah, but but that's yeah. yeah. You just feel that. Yep. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, that's great. Yep. So so I that was. So where were we? Oh, so everybody was drowning after, <laughs> after the boat oh, got God. torpedoed. We're, we're, we're even um, uh, worse about time than Christopher Nolan. I know. We're just jumping all around um, here. No, wait. I'm sorry. Um, wrong one. Yeah, so so yeah, so that boat tips over and uh, and Tommy and Harry Styles, who probably also has a character name, but like who knows, they're able to get out because the French kid is on the outside of the, of the ship, mm-hmm. which in retrospect... Well, when uh, he doesn't come in to the boat, mm-hmm. um, Harry Styles is like, where's your friend? And and he's like, oh, you know, he just wants to have a quick way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, one, lol. 
Um, actually true. And two, in retrospect, yeah, he he doesn't want to go down into the hall with all of these people who all speak English because they're going to try to talk to him. That's true. Yep. He's not going to have anything to say. So he's going to ride on the outside of the, of the boat and hope that nobody notices him. Mm-hmm. And, but then it works out because then he opens the door and they're able to get out of the yeah. ship after it's already sunk, basically. Um, and then that's when they're swimming for the little boats of people who are trying, who are just sitting in rowboats trying to get on this ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it got sunk and they're like, well, that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And Killian Murphy is there and he's like, and, and they're like, let us in your boat. And he's like, no, there will be other boats. Yeah. That, that, that is, that moment is maybe, uh, my favorite thing about the, um, the differing, the different the timeline lines. thing, mm-hmm. because uh, before that you see Killian yeah, Murphy. Yeah, he's already been picked up by the yeah, and, he, craft, and, right? he, and he's been on the boat for a while, so like you, you uh, get to know him about as well as you get to know any character in this movie, and and you just see how shaken he is. Yep. And then and then you see him before that, where he's just like. Uh, he's like the epitome of the British gentleman. Right. He's like even more British than like Kenneth Branagh. He's like, yeah. no, no, there will be other boats soon enough. You wait your turn. Yep. Don't worry, boys. Just float there and whatever. And then, and then uh, two days later, he's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that not was, going back. Not going back. That was one of the things I did find confusing. Then later, the second time was I was like, well, okay, which boat was he on? That song, like we've seen I mean, so many. It, it there, might there not be so the, many, yeah, it might not be one that we even saw. Yeah, well, be, yeah, because like uh, that one timeline of the the beach, it's one entire week, and we see it for you know forty minutes, right? Uh, That's so true. we're we're only seeing a very small fraction of the things that happen to these people on That's the beach. That's true. You could have made an entire movie uh, just about the people on the beach, and it would have been. Just as uh, exciting, although perhaps a little monotonous. That's, right. that's another thing that t- the timeline stuff does. Is it me. breaks it up. Yeah. That's what I, I was going to say before when we were talking about uh, Tom Hardy, and I said that like his part, while you're watching it, it sometimes doesn't feel as important as the other stuff. But I think it serves an important role in the story because if it was just going back and forth between the beach stuff and the boat... Uh, it would it would feel it would feel yeah. incomplete. It, it's like, well, why am I watching this thing that's happening over a week and this thing that's just happening over a day? It's weird. But the yeah. fact that there's three of them and you can cut between all these different things, yeah, it's it and everybody right. has their own part to play in yeah. the yeah in the rescue, yeah, in the in the entire operation mm-hmm. basically. Oh, uh, speaking of Tom Hardy, how they unceremoniously dispose of off-screen Michael Caine. I just, I just found that funny. Wait, uh, wait what are they... I don't remember this. He, I, I mean, I remember hearing Michael Caine's voice. And yeah, he's, he's uh, supposed to be the leader of the squadron. And, um, yeah, I mean, you never see him. Yeah. But he's the one that they call a uh, farrier leader or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, that the, I think that's the name of the team. And yeah, but it's just the two of them that they cut between. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then later, you know, they call for him and he doesn't answer. And they're like, well, he's dead. You know? <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, I guess we can't do anything about that now. I I kind of can't believe I don't think I've ever put together that he was in the other plane. <laughs> yeah. I thought he would like they were just talking to him like at a at like a home base, base or, or something because I'm like this Michael Caine he's like 80 years old. That's true. Yeah, but but yeah, there were three planes, right? Weren't there? Yeah. I don't, yeah. 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 He's supposed to be in the other plane. You just oh. never see him because yeah, because they weren't going to put Michael Caine in a plane. Mm-hmm. They were just like, we need a voice. Whose yeah. voice will we get? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, but I just find that inherently funny that they were like, let's get Michael Caine and then let's kill him mm-hmm. with not even, you don't even see his plane go down. Mm-hmm. I don't think. 
yeah, he's just not there suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, brings up a thing that I think is interesting uh, with this movie and death because you you don't you don't see people dying gruesome deaths really in this movie. Like saving Private Ryan. Yeah, but like there there are bombs going off, there are people drowning and stuff. Like a lot of people that you see on screen are not alive at the end of the movie, but you don't really see them die. Mm -hmm. But you feel... It's it's a weird dichotomy where you you sort of feel the the weight of the situation, that, like, people are dying, all this stuff, but you also get the sense of, like, the people in that situation. They're like, yeah, people are dying. I gotta live. Right, can't think about that Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. they just don't think about it at all. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's a different tactic to something like Saving Private Ryan, where, like, he... I mean... In that movie, you know, as soon as the movie starts, they get off the the boat and just immediately yeah. everybody just dies. Carnage, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that that's a very different way of showing you that like every human life matters. Right. Uh, this one, it's it's a yeah, it's like it's a little different where it's like yeah, every life matters, but also, but also when you're in that in situation, moment, you're not you don't about feel it. about it. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think in Saving Private Ryan, Spielberg really wants you to to feel how bad it is that all these people died. Right. Whereas Dunkirk puts you in the mindset of the people in that situation. Right. There's only one death in Dunkirk that I think would count as gruesome, and it doesn't hold on it long enough for it to be gruesome, mm-hmm. which is the one kid, the kid who wanted to, um, who started, I, who, this is like the fourth kid. When, uh, when later on, I had forgotten this was even a character, by the way, until the second time that we watched the movie. Okay. Because, because they're all the they're all the same boy, but uh, when they are after the the ship gets torpedoed and stuff like that, and um, and Tommy and the French kid and Harry Styles have to swim back to the beach mm-hmm. uh, because they won't let them back in the little boats. Yeah. Um, then that's when they meet up with these other guys who are who see the like the boat that's um, run aground. Yeah. The, which turns out it's like a Dutch boat mm-hmm. uh, and there's a Dutch boy in it or what looking for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and they're like, well, we're going to go sit in this boat because the tide will come in eventually and then we can just, we'll be in a boat. It'll be fine. <laughs> and, um, but there's like... Which is a very bad plan. Yeah. Uh, because you'll, you'll just be sitting in the middle of the British Channel if, I, that, if that boat does yeah. get anywhere. It's just, yeah, there's no like, power. No, right. None of them know how to... How to <laughs> Work how to boat. The, right, how to boat. And they even make, like, a joke about that, too, which is when um, uh, James Darcy says something to Kenneth Branagh about the tide coming back in in, uh, what is it, like, f- two hours or four hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, it's not for another six or eight hours. <laughs> and he's like, what? I, I thought it was this. And he's like, well, that's why you're Army and I'm Navy. <laughs> and then right after that, this group of Army boys is like, yeah, we'll just sit here for two hours until the tide comes back yep. in. And I was like, I see what you did there. I didn't catch mm-hmm. it the first time. <laughs> Uh, but I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's but there's one kid who's like the leader of that group mm-hmm. who um, who's the I think he's the one who starts with the whole like uh, when uh, you know there's the holes in the boat and it won't float when the tide starts coming in. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, we got to get somebody off the boat, you know, and and they that's when they start going at the French kid and mm-hmm. finding out that he yeah. is not English and stuff like that. And that one guy is like the ringleader, basically. Um, he's the one that I think later on went uh, on the other boat. Um, once it it gets 
uh, shot uh, or whatever and the boat starts leaking oil he's the one who's in the water mm-hmm. and is trying to hold his breath under the water and then has to come above ground into the fire so that he doesn't drown yeah yep. and so he uh, burns and drowns yeah he does both probably yeah yep. it's sad mm-hmm. but you know but that's the most gruesome death as it were but they but also they don't you don't watch this kid yeah. burn you know mm-hmm. it's like then they go to oh well okay let's go save some some other kids in the the oil yeah but it's but it's it's very interesting because yeah this movie does not revel in gore i mean like saving private Ryan doesn't revel in it either it's trying to be realistic about it but yeah it does not show you any real violence right but it's still so affecting. Yeah. Uh, you still get the the sense of, you know, the gravity of the situation without having to actually see the the devastation. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Um, there was one other thing that we haven't mentioned at all that um, that I feel like we should talk about, which is poor Georgie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, you do see die yeah uh but it's a slow uh, death yeah but yeah and that's <clears throat> that's maybe the the only death that is like meant to have spe- like specific emotional weight to it i think that's true yeah uh and and it and it is uh yeah yeah i do feel sad. like i'm the only person who cares when the french boy dies and it makes me sad it made me sad both times <laughs> when he got when he got trapped in that boat and, yeah. and he drowned mm-hmm. yeah after they, you know, maybe they should have thrown him out of the boat. Then maybe he would have lived. Right. But, yeah. But nope. Instead, he drowned in that boat, in the stupid Dutch boat. Yeah. R.I.P. French boy. <laughs> um. But anyway, so Georgie, mm. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who just wanted to come along to yeah. help because he wanted to do his part. Yep. And he said he would be useful. And then... Uh, doesn't doesn't do that much, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the great tragedy of that is that... He probably didn't need to come. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like, to be fair, I don't know that much about sailing. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, they Yeah, maybe they did stuff that, yeah, you, you that, don't right, see. That, right. So, you know, I, I can't uh, assume that it is easier to uh, sail a boat with two people than with three people. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm sure he helped in some way, but you don't see any of that. So, yeah, yeah. so it seems like he could have just stayed home mm-hmm. and not died. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but in my head, after we watched the first time, uh, he gets like, like it's a big dramatic thing when he gets, you know, shoved down the stairs Mm -hmm. by Kelly Murphy, who's freaking out. Um, but then when I watched it the second time, it's just like, nope, this is a boat. Boats are slippery. Like all he did, he just, he just, he was freaking out and just knocked this kid down the stairs. Mm -hmm. You know, in my head, it was like big, like, oh, and he like, you know, he's like, throwing arms and this and that no he didn't do any of that no he just he's just whipping around and shoved this kid downstairs and yeah. he cracked his head open mm-hmm. but but i think that like the the movie does like stop basically right. yeah no and, it like, does yeah yeah shows you what uh what a, a fuck up this was right you know? yeah which is i mean which is good yeah you know but yeah and then and then he, yeah, and then he just dies slowly for for like fifteen minutes, and mm-hmm. that's sad. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, well. Way to bring it down. I know. Yeah. I did this. No, yeah, it's like a thing that you need to bring up because it's a very important part of the movie. But I really don't have anything else to say about it. But like, yeah, it's sad and it was an important part of the movie. Yep. I don't have any insight about it. <laughs> well, uh, what is interesting is that then, you know, uh, his friend um, puts him, gets to put him in the paper as a hero at Dunker. Yeah, that's um, Which I feel like there are people who are like, but he didn't do anything. But like, he went yeah. to dunker he didn't he, have to do that yeah he tried yeah he, 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 he was just part. a boy mm-hmm. and yeah and he was like well this is important let's go do it yeah although to be fair uh he did find out where they were going after he was on the boat <laughs> um which is the the real unfair thing about it well like there there's uh yeah like the that part of the beginning when he was just like sort of impulsively jumps on the boat um and uh and he's like where are we going and yeah. mark rylance is like to war yeah. Oh no! Yeah, like the the uh, the other kid is like, uh, you know where we're going, right? And yeah, Mark Ryan is like to war, George, <laughs> going to war. Uh, and but the kid is just like, yeah, no, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll help. He's down. Like definitely, uh, they were they were not unsure, but like if they like really like thought it was like could have they could have just like, yeah, they or they yeah. even could have just pushed him off the boat. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> just made him get back out to land. That's true. Yeah, uh, so like they could have done something, but I, I feel like everybody was like, "Well, you're here, you can help," you know. Yep. Yeah. He was a good boy. Yeah. Yeah. They're all such good boys. Yeah, they're all good boys. None of them were really bad boys, except maybe uh, that Harry Styles. Hey. Ooh, what a bad boy! Uh, telling uh, telling people to kick this one guy off the boat. He did do that too. Yeah. That's true. He joined in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he seemed to idea. be, yeah. He seemed to be a very, uh, a very negative sort mm-hmm. all around. Honestly, he, uh, yeah. Um, well, there's also that that one guy at the beginning of the movie when uh, when our, our our main boy just gets in line and one guy's oh, like, yeah. "Grenadiers, mate." Yep. I actually, like that British class system. I know. There again, yeah. Just always, uh, always rears its ugly head. Always keeping the the mm-hmm. common man down. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I actually thought at one point that the kids that they meet up with later on to get on the Dutch boy were from the Grenadiers line. Oh, and they might be, but I don't, I can't. Yeah, I don't think it's that guy, if so, Mm -hmm. but but I think I might just also be making that up because everything else in this movie ties together so many times that I'm like, but what if this? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm just making that one up. So, but I did think it. Yeah. So, um, and then um, the other thing that I want... Do, do you remember uh, during the uh, uh, the Our Darkest Hour episode, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking about, you know, how he gives the big speech and we will fight them yeah. and we will all die choking in blood. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I love that that's become the speech in my head. That yeah. was the very abridged version of both conversations. That yeah, they yeah. They, like, yeah, in that movie, he gives a, a different speech to the... Yeah, to the... Yeah. Uh, the outer cabinet where uh, there's definitely a line where it's like choking on our own blood yep everyone's just like yes yep but but yeah but the but the last speech the famous one yeah uh i remember saying that it's also at the end of dunkirk but we hadn't rewatched dunkirk yet Mm. and then uh when we watched it i had totally forgotten like and it's hilarious like you know how the main kid is just sitting there reading it out of the newspaper while they're on the train and mm-hmm. people are trying to hand them you know beer through the window and Henry yeah. Styles is like don't look at me I'm a coward <laughs> um uh yeah he's just reading 
the speech, mm-hmm. but he reads it like so flatly. Yeah. And it's hilarious. He's especially... like a like a kid just reading a paper who right. doesn't do it all that. Yep, and it's, it's so like, great. like every kid I've ever been in English class with, where we have to like trade off reading a segment, yeah. and just uh, they're just like, and then this person said this thing, and uh, I was yeah. a, I was always good at cold reading. Oh, me too. Yeah. I was a, I was the best at cold reading. I was so good. I would do voices. I bet you I did. I pronounced things correctly. Yep. I was very good. Uh, I'm not that great at cold speaking, as we know from this podcast, but but cold reading, oh, I was so good. But yeah, so he's just sitting there and he's just reading the speech and he's like, we will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them. And it's it's hilarious, especially ever after having just listened to Gary Oldman Mm -hmm. act it. Yeah. Like uh, that, I and I didn't have any memory of that yeah. that was the way that he read it, and it yeah. was so good. But it's but it's it's great too because it uh, like and like he it, even interrupts him in the middle of one of the lines, mm-hmm. like in in the middle of some I don't remember which one, yeah. but some famous part of it, like he gets interrupted in the middle mm-hmm. and like. But I, yeah, I love it because like they they keep cutting between that and like all of this other stuff. That it's like the montage of everything wrapping up. You see yep. them get uh, Georgie's like name in the paper right. and stuff like yep. that. And and, uh, uh, and Tom Hardy Larry, like, is uh, like sputtering is, out, like yeah, sputter- as, is yeah. out of fuel and, mm-hmm. and has to glide land on the beach and can't yeah. get his. Stupid, and, it, and it's all this with uh, with the Hans Zimmer gear down. Yeah. And it's all this stuff with like the Hans Zimmer score at its most like. Uh, Elegiac is that a, is that it the, is a word I yeah I think uh, I think it might apply I'm not sure but it's <laughs> but it's it's quite beautiful it's not it's not that like tension stuff that this that you get through this is a good score it, it is really good I don't love uh, the Hans Zimmer Nolan combination it's not my favorite thing it works when it works well it works really well mm-hmm. uh, and then there are moments where I'm just like all right. Uh, uh, it's a. It, it gets to be a bit much after a, right. a while. I guess but that's like, fair. But like but it, it really. But it works here when it works really. Uh, it, it does re- work really well here. It's, well, I, I should just say, it's not that it never works in these movies. It's just that like, if I were to listen to any of these scores on my own, they, it would not be what I would want no, to listen I agree to. It's, with it's that. not my kind of music. It's not what I would choose to score my movies with. But okay. it works for these kinds of movies. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very. It's it's a lot of like. It's like I think it's like synth strings, basically. Like this part of it, it sounds kind of like uh, like something you'd hear in like uh, *Chariots of Fire* or something like that. <laughs> uh, but it's but it's all quite beautiful. And then it's and it's this kid just reading this speech very flatly. But it like it but combined with all of the other like triumphant imagery, yep. it still has the power because yep. the words. Tom Hardy sets his plane on fire. Oh yeah, oh, so and you I, finally see his face. Yeah. And, and it's like it, it, he doesn't play it this way, but it, it, it feels like you know, like like he you know, he like throws the he sets his plane on fire. He like takes off his mask, and it, and it, it feels like fucking come at me, Germans. <laughs> what are you what yep. what are you gonna do? Uh, Which yeah. then they do they do come at yeah, him. They, yeah they they're, they're do, probably they do take gonna him away. kill him. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, or you know, just let's be in a camp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he might capture him. He might be yep. a POW. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but yeah um, they uh, but yeah it, it's it's all very moving uh, yeah even with that what do you make of I I think it's very interesting I don't know if I have any thoughts about it besides I think it's interesting there's that whole uh, you know it's that whole big long montage and it ends with the like the image of like Tom Hardy's playing on fire and the Germans like leading him away and like it, the picture gets all fuzzy and and it cuts to black like it's the end of the movie and then there's just and like then- a quick shot of the main kid just sort of like looking blankly up 
Yeah, uh, I actually done. I like that. Yeah. It's um it's sort of a perfect bookend to how the movie starts mm-hmm. almost. Uh, uh the cuts of black is a bit much. Like that's very Lord of the Rings false ending. Mm-hmm. But well, the the black doesn't last very long. It's no. basically I think it's I don't think it's really like the the Tom Hardy thing, it doesn't quite fade out, but it feels like a fade out because right. it's getting like blurry. So then it, it's like it's like black for like a split second, and then it comes. back. And it's like just as he finishes reading the speech, if I remember yeah. right, too. So then it goes to black. Like that's gonna be the that like that is gonna be mm-hmm. the end, and then yeah. it comes back. Well, and and supposedly, uh, I mean, uh, you can kind of tell that was supposed to be the end, and then you know, Christopher Nolan was just like looking at the the. Law, the full takes of uh, and this was just like something this kid did uh, after the take was over and he just kind of loved the, this blank, blank look on the kid's face yeah. and they're like yep that's that's the movie yep and I think it works because yeah. I, I think that uh, like as much as you know it's not a story about the characters mm-hmm. he's the one character that yeah. you know that you follow through the most time even mm-hmm. though he's not in the movie more than you know yeah tom hardy or mark rylance mm-hmm. or whatever but you follow him through the most time and so yeah. uh so it's the i feel like the the strongest connection yeah i i also i was gonna say that um i feel I like think... that shot shows you this kid's gonna be probably fucked up by this okay it, yeah. it's interesting i don't well i mean Probably everybody in this movie is gonna well, be a right. bit, bit fucked up by it, but uh, but I was thinking that like um, the way that the the movie ends before that uh, with like the, the Tom Hardy thing, uh, like it's it's still focusing on like one character and Tom Hardy in this case, but it, it that whole sequence feels like uh, like the end to a big war epic. It feels right. like a big triumphant finale. Yeah, but that's exactly. not what this movie what was. About. This yep. movie was you following these characters very intimately. Yep. And so you see this, you end with this, like the intimate moment of this one kid, you yeah. know, that you, you started with a very intimate moment. Right. With him. And yeah. Where so. he just wanted to poop. He just wanted to, I hope he got to take I know, a shit. you never see it. He was it. there for an entire week. Oh my God. Can you imagine just holding <laughs> in your poop for an entire week? Yep. That sounds That's like a nightmare. A, it, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's possible. I think I you would die. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope he got to poop at some point. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe he pooped in the sea. I was just gonna say that. Maybe, <laughs> you know, you're you're floating there. You gotta float there because you can't get on Killian Murphy's boat. You right. know what? You just uh, you just take your pants off <laughs> in the ocean, just try to shit real quick in the ocean, <laughs> and and then just just quietly try to float uh, yeah. a little bit further away. Exactly. This is the kind of high class film criticism that people will oh, come yeah. to. The well, podcast you know, with. we didn't want to. We we were in danger of ending it too uh, too intellectual. Yeah, and, and you know, we what? we had actual thoughts about the movie, right. and we're like, let's uh, let's end it with um, poop with talk. Yep. Yeah. Let's see. Um. Okay, I'm just looking now to see if I had any more thoughts mm-hmm. that I didn't mention. And, like, not really. Well, yeah. actually, there was just one thing uh, about about how samey the cast is. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was making these notes, uh, I, 
I thought how it was the direct opposite of that one scene in Darkest Hour where he gets on the train and there's a little bit of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and I thought, I thought, yeah, I just yeah, think that that's scene was almost comically diverse. Yeah. I think uh, that's a hilariously specific, like, like, uh, just the contrast between the two scenes mm-hmm. is, is so extreme. Yeah. That I thought it was funny. Um, let's say, uh, oh yeah, one of the things was that I thought Killian Murphy was in the movie more than I think he actually is. Um, and yeah. I think that part of it is, I guess he might be. He's, he's, he's probably he's, got like about, I would say like 10 minutes uh, of, uh, of screen time total over the yeah. course of the movie. Yeah. And the other thing was just how, uh, Kenneth Branagh gets to do basically no acting in IMAX. We, were, we weren't ready for Kenneth Branagh and IMAX. Oh, right? God. Uh, you just, the power, the sheer power of his acting would just, would just blow you away. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the cinematography, the IMAX, or just generally the, the way the movie looked, because, um, Christopher Nolan is now known as this guy who's, he's a, a film purist. He likes to shoot on film and IMAX, like, whenever possible. He likes, uh, these big, uh, likes IMAX. Uh, I don't know. Yep. I didn't have anything else to add there. But I think I I always like the way Christopher Nolan movies look, but I I think it's interesting that uh, he gets this reputation this way because I feel like in general he's really not much of a visual stylist. Mm. Like his movies all look really good, but it's basically like a collection of medium shots that were shot in IMAX, so they look really cool. Uh, um but this this movie, uh, it is very much in line with his other movies aesthetically. But I feel like it's just very cohesive. The mm-hmm. the look of it, every everything, he he takes that love of of medium shots of. You know, he, there's not a whole lot of like facial close ups in his movies, and I feel like there's not a whole lot of wide shots except like in like the Dark Knight when they're just like zooming into buildings. Okay. You know, it's a lot of just whenever, whenever people are talking, it's just like, yep, here's the upper half of their body. Um, and then cut to another shot of the upper half of somebody else's body. Right. You know, but he takes that, that look and he kind of justifies it in this movie. Like, I feel like this entire movie is from, uh, a human's eye view. Mm-hmm. Um, even when, like, there are a couple of shots, like, looking down on stuff. Like, I remember uh, early on in the movie, there's uh, a shot from up high uh, of the pier. Um, and But it's, it's only after you see a shot of uh, the people on the ground looking up because there's, there's a plane coming. Right. So that you know there's, there's a plane coming, and so the shot is from the plane's perspective. Yeah. And even, like, all the stuff of... Uh, Tom Hardy uh, up in the air. Everything is either from the cockpit or yep. like looks like it's coming from a cockpit. You're yeah, like yeah. seeing the planes in reverse. You're never just like seeing all of the planes together uh, right. flying. Yeah, that was why I had to ask if there were three planes. Yeah, I think because I think there's one establishing shot like at the beginning of that timeline that mm-hmm. shows the planes, and yeah. then you never see all three of them in the same shot again. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um and. Yeah, and I, I really like the way that it looks, and I love the, the seeing it in IMAX. I don't know if really... No, I think it does add something seeing it in IMAX. I mean, I don't know, because we didn't see it uh, regular ways either. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that uh, so much of this movie is shot in IMAX that it's it's an experience you cannot get uh, anywhere else. You cannot get... Your, like When you watch this movie at home, it's just as entertaining and just as interesting... But it's 
it's fundamentally not the same movie that you saw in an IMAX theater. And I think that's really interesting. I think that's uh, that's maybe the only way uh, people are going to save like going to the movies is if the experience is if the movie you see in the movie theater is just a different movie than the the thing well, you get I, at home. That's a good point, and that but that makes me sad. If like the only way to save movies is that I have to pay fifty dollars to go to the movies. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, I, yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Um, like I might as well go to a play. Yeah, I stopped going to plays like ten years ago because I couldn't afford them. Yeah, you know. Um, I guess that was it. There was just there's just one shot that I love in the movie. I don't have anything else to say about it, but uh, uh, in the uh, towards the beginning when uh, the kid just gets onto uh, the beach and then you hear the planes overhead and just like well uh, first there's a shot of like everybody just scattering everybody was in like neatly right. ordered rows waiting yes. to get on boats and then you hear planes and then just everyone just runs away yep. and then uh, he like squats down on the ground and there's just a shot uh, oh, from the, uh, well you, you see the, like his head just like uh, cowering on the ground but you see like everything behind, behind him, him back yeah. for like half a mile and you just see all the bombs and you just see them go one by one boom 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 yeah. boom and until like it's like flying yeah, yeah like the, the, the one closest yeah. to him you see the guy like it landed like on a guy the guy yeah. goes flying mm-hmm. uh, and then you just uh, that was the last bomb so he's like he almost died like yeah. immediately uh, he almost dies so many times. This he really movie. does. Yeah. Uh, but yet, and uh, and it stops. But you you feel and hear all of like the sand just drop on yeah. him. And I love the the tactile nature. Like you, you it felt like sand. Like it it was like that wet goopy sand. Uh-huh. And you just and the the sound of it and just seeing it drop on him. It just I, I like I I felt like I felt it and I liked that. I, for some reason, that reminded me of when they uh, when they get back to the beach after they have to swim past Kelly Murphy's boats and stuff, and the beach is all there's like nobody on it, mm-hmm. and it you know it turns out it's because they've swum to the wrong part of the beach because that's part of the whole thing with the Dutch boat yeah. is that it's not in. I guess the protected territory, not that it's protected, but you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that's defended by uh, the British and the French army and stuff like that. And that's why nobody has gone to try to take this boat uh, before now. Um, But yeah, but when they first get on the beach, uh, there's nobody there and it's all just foam. Oh, the the foam in this movie was so weird the first time I saw it because like I understood that it was like sea foam and like I heard of seafoam but like i've been to the beach a bunch of times i've never been to a foamy beach like that before and And it just looks like soap yeah it looks well it looks alien it looks like an like an alien creature Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's just a thing that that uh the earth does and it's fucking bizarre it is weird Uh, but yeah it's yeah but like that shot is so cool though no yeah definitely was um and also i remember I don't remember if I read about this or if I heard about it, but um, but something to the effect of, like, one of the reasons why no planes came, other than that, you know, it was apparently, I guess, slightly too long of a flight to comfortably make and then come back, which is why, uh, you know, Tom Hardy mm-hmm. had to land on the beach with no fuel, um, but uh, was that the, the weather wasn't good mm-hmm. and... Uh, and and it's true that, like, the whole, like, they kept that in mind in the whole film. It's all cloudy throughout, like, that whole timeline until, like, the last day. Yeah. When they're, when they're you know, 
mm-hmm. have to escape out of the stupid Dutch boat, and then they have to uh, get pulled out of the sea by the small crafts mm-hmm. and like all all the dumb shit that happens to them, these poor boys. But um, but yeah, that it's um, you don't think about it because it cuts back and forth between these different times, but but it actually tracks that it's just. Throughout the the first time, like it's just cloudy the whole time until finally <laughs> the the sky clears up, and that's when planes can come. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where the bloody air force was. They were waiting to be able to come. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy so ungrateful. Yeah. He's the worst. The movie didn't punish him like it punished uh, the other. Guys. The movie punished everybody. It could punish everybody. They lived through it. <laughs> Yeah. A punishing, grueling experience for literally every single person that you see in this movie. That's fair. Yeah. Either they died or they will just have emotional or physical scars for the rest of their life. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Rylance did all right. Yeah. Yeah. Although well, he's already, you know, he's already had. Yeah, he, lo- he already had lost a yeah. son. Exactly. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, he's and, and he and survived probably, the, probably the Titanic. Theoretically. <laughs> Theoretically. And he will probably feel guilty for, for Georgie dying on yeah. his boat, even though it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he will probably feel bad about it. You know. Or maybe he won't. Maybe he'll be like that boy made his choice mm-hmm. to, to go to war, be a hero. Well, I think it will um uh, I think he will feel bad about it, but if anybody ever brings it up, he'll just say he was a good lad, he did his job. Yep. Yep. Poor George. Um, that's it that'll be it (laughs) okay so uh so yeah so this movie was nominated for eight academy awards won three of them okay um we're we're not gonna guess oh do you want oh i thought you were gonna try to make me guess no uh, no you don't like this game well we could do it but like making you guess you don't have any really uh sense of these things i don't really Uh, but like i come across what movies uh what oscars is the movies one just like while i'm researching them it's an easy thing to just see That's when true. you're researching the movie so i don't know if we're uh, gonna guess these movies but, uh. well one of them is best picture that it was nominated yeah, for it was yeah. nominated for best picture it was nominated yeah. for uh best director yeah yeah um, uh i'm this might be his first best director nomination good for him yeah yeah i th- i think uh and I'm not sure that it is his first, but if it is his first, I think it's a it's a it's a well earned first one. I think this is this movie. It's a real uh, step forward from his uh, previous movies. It's an evolution in his style, and, mm-hmm. and I, I I think it is uh, significant in that way. Um. So it uh, is nominated for best cinematography. Yes. Okay. Um. Uh. Um. It probably won both sound awards. Yes. Yeah. Were we talking about this the other day? Uh, we probably did. Okay. Uh, that's the other thing is uh, we talk about these movies so much before we can actually record the episode that's that like true. it's well, just gonna. Normally that shouldn't be the case, but we literally waited like we put this like, off two and for, a half weeks yes, at least. So long. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So that's five. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of the wins. Um. Uh. Mm-hmm. I actually have no concept of what the other thing it won for. One be. for best film editing. Oh, okay. Which makes that, sense that makes because sense. Uh, yeah. yeah, you've got to juggle all those timelines right. and make it feel like a real movie. I remember. Uh, I don't remember if it was nominated, but I remember uh, pulling for Baby Driver 
on that one. The editing in Baby Driver yeah. is yeah is yeah. really great. That was yeah. I believe that, that was, was also nominated. up for the uh, sound ones. I think yeah, it was yeah. up for the sound awards, and I think editing and that's it um, yeah. um but mm-hmm. if if that movie was going to be nominated for anything it would be sound and editing that's, right. that's what that movie is yeah exactly but i remember i was pulling that was where i was pulling for baby driver i thought it had its best chance um yeah but, but I, I i ain't mad that this one best no editing. yeah it's yeah, yeah it's uh it's a phenomenal job just juggling all these different things even if this is like uh so, sometimes i feel like with the editing category it's well almost like like any of these categories it's unclear like what a, what amount of this was the editor's work and what amount of this was like the, the director, director or the or even like with an editing's case like this screenplay right. like you're just putting these things in this order uh but at this case, I do feel like even if it was just the scale of the project uh mm-hmm. it's it's a it's amazing that uh, you know this person was able to edit all this footage down. Right. Even if he followed the script like to the letter, this is still a, you know, a wonderful job of editing. Um, so there's two awards left then. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you can just tell me. I don't yeah. know. Uh, this movie was also, I don't uh, think it was nominated for a screenplay award because it no. doesn't have any dialogue. No. Uh, <laughs> best original score, Hans Zimmer. Okay. I almost and, guessed that. Uh, right. Best production design. Okay. Which, I thought uh, about that. Yeah. It's yeah. a... It's interesting because I feel like uh, if you make a period film, you're guaranteed to get like the production design uh, nomination and also costume design. is maybe a little interesting that this didn't get costume design, but everyone's wearing the same thing. Everybody's right. wearing uniforms. So. Uh, that was one of the things I was just reading was that they had to, uh, they don't apparently make the type of wool that they made, uh, I guess, the, oh, I the, that, the yeah. uniforms and stuff out of. So they had to like get it made. Mm-hmm. So That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That was as far as I got in the Wikipedia article, basically. Mm-hmm. Before you were like, "No, we're going on." <laughs> um, well, you don't. I don't. You know, you don't want to just spout the entire I Wikipedia don't. That's article. True. I did read the entire article, but I read it like a week and a half ago, and mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it since. Uh, we didn't even talk about like the conception of this movie, which isn't that interesting. Seem that it's interesting. like, yeah, Christopher Nolan, like, you know, he he was he, British. He was on a boat. He yeah, went to a he trip. Went, right, uh, he did the trip like, and yeah, was, like, was like, hey, I should make a movie about Dunkirk. Right. And then ten years later, he did. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, that's yeah. about it. Um, one of the things, actually, that I did want to talk about, uh, which was that, you know, we had mentioned at the beginning uh, how we weren't sure we were going to have anything to say about that, um, this movie, you know, well, two, you said two and that. a half. Well, yeah, all right. But <laughs> two and a half hours later. Um... I wanted to know, do you think that that feeling affected its best picture chances? You know, do you was this a general consensus, do you think, or was it just something that we talked about where we saw Dunkirk and we were like, this was a real good movie that I liked a lot and then had nothing more to say about that? I mean, I'm sure uh, there were quite like a few that- people that felt like that. Um, it's... Yeah, this it's a weird movie because I I really like it. Uh, I I I think it is might be Christopher Nolan's best work as a director. Although I don't it, it's I don't think it's ever going to be like my favorite movie of his. Mm-hmm. It's like something like uh like the Dark Knight. Uh, Dark Knight has a lot of uh, problems. Yeah, uh, it's like the the whole third act is is kind of weak sauce. <laughs> Uh, but the the highs of the Dark Knight are to me so much higher than the highs of this movie. But mm-hmm. the, but this whole movie operates at a, just uh, such a high level of proficiency yeah. and execution, and it, it's such a it feels like a 
masterwork by a director. You know, it, it feels like a, like a direct like I like I feel like there's even odds on whether this signals like a new phase of Nolan's career where he's making these like uh, slightly experimental like big movies and they all seem great or he'll never make a movie as good as this again. I feel like it could go either way. Right. It, this could be just like the definitive statement of Nolan or it could just be the, you know, this this could be his uh, Dr. Strangelove, like the, the new phase of his career or it could just be his, uh, his, his, uh, the Shining, where controversially never made it's gonna move again. I don't know. I've never seen Eyes Wide Shut. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but also, it's 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 not hard to say that uh, you never made a movie as good as this other movie if you only make one movie after it. Well, he made a Full Metal Jacket and Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, that after doesn't <laughs> See, exactly. Full Metal Jacket, perfectly fine movie, but it's not the best Stanley Kubrick movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And also, I haven't seen that one, so I'm just as bad. Um, But yeah, it's it's weird uh, because I, yeah, I, uh, it's it's a movie I admire more than I love. This? uh, Dunkirk. Okay. But I admire it a lot. I I think Mm -hmm. it's a really phenomenal piece of work and, but I, I've seen it three times now, <laughs> and I'm not sure I'm gonna. It's not a movie I'm gonna check out. Check out a lot. Like I used to just right. throw. I haven't seen the. Well, we watched the Dark Knight, you know, a couple weeks ago. But before that, I hadn't seen it in like, you know, eight years or something like that. But before that, I used to watch it all the time. That would mo- mm-hmm. be a movie I would just put on just to have fun, you know. Right. And uh, I don't think I'm gonna. Maybe in 10, 15 years, I'll reevaluate Dunkirk. Uh, out of curiosity, but yeah, it's it's yeah it's. I'll say this: when I was on Letterboxd, uh, I think when I first saw it, I gave it four and a half stars, mm-hmm. and I've liked it just as much or possibly more each time I've seen it since then. Uh, but this last time, I downgraded it to four stars. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't really have a good reason why, except that it just doesn't have that emotional yeah thing to it. Where it's it's a very emotional movie. Like I get choked up during it. But it just doesn't... I don't know. But you don't feel strongly about it. Like, a strong connection. That's, I guess, but, what but, I'm but, but also I don't th- think that it was a movie that anybody rode hard for. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think when it came out in the summertime and it, and it, was, it got rave reviews and, uh, you know, it made a whole lot of money, people... It sort of, by default, became the front runner. although right. it came out so much earlier than most of the other movies... Um, and I, th- I think The Shape of Water finally took it just because that's a, just such a much more emotionally engaging movie. Yeah. It, 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 well, it gauges different emotions. It gauges, right, it right. gauges your happy, fun, uh, you know, or not, not even because it's, it's a sad movie, but it engages your, like, your weepy emotional centers. Right. You know, whereas uh, Dunkirk is all about, like, tension and there are some, like, you know, uh, tearing up moments scattered in there but it's not really it's just not really the same thing the shape of water is a movie that plays to the to the back rows you know it's, it's a movie that uh that just anybody can kind of go see it and uh and attach themselves to even though it's about a grotesque fish monster that fucks a human woman uh. now i have two problems with that one <laughs> I don't think he's a particularly grotesque fish monster. And two, that woman fucks him. 
Okay. We'll get it. We're going to get into we're, Shape of Water we'll into, real yeah. hard. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about ex- just how weird it is that yep. that movie won Best Picture. Yeah. But also, in a way, of course that one won Best Picture. Right. It's it's so it's so weird, and we'll talk about that. But uh, yeah. yeah, Dunkirk, I think... Uh, I do think out of all of the movies... You know, I, I feel like I was... I sounded kind of negative on it just now and I think it's just uh, I'm now trying to think of it the, the way you asked the question I was thinking of it in like the long term how will Dunkirk uh, stand the test of time uh-huh. and um, but I do think and I, 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 I think it basically boils down to that like in the scope of like the great movies of all time I don't think this is anywhere near the top of the heap but like for an average movie that was nominated for Best Picture and didn't win, is a really, really good yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, I think out of the nine movies that we have this year, it's one of maybe three that people are really going to be talking about 20 years from now. And that's a guess. I, I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, I can't, I can't speak yeah, to that. Yeah, I can't I say. But, uh, but I feel like, like Darkest Hour, nobody's going to give a shit about it in five years. Right. The posts, yeah, I don't know. Um, but we'll we'll talk about all those other movies, I guess, when we get to them. Yep. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, so that's yeah. done, Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. That's done, Kirk. Hey. Yeah. Up top. Yeah. So watch out, Mister Hitler. You have met your match in us. If you think you can crush us, we're afraid you've missed the bus. Cause who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler, if you think we're on the run? We are the boys who will stop your little game. We are the boys who will make you think again. Cause who do 